and welcome to In Harmony. I'm your host, Laura Ferrero, a longtime journalist and founder of M4G Media. On In Harmony, we talk to musicians, artists, authors, activists, and other fascinating guests about their wellness practices, artistry, social activism, and more. Today, we sit down with Thurs, the LA rapper who made a name for himself when he released the politically charged LA Riot album in 2011. The album addresses the Rodney King beatings that took place at the hands of police in 1991 and the subsequent LA riots that ensued. Born Yannick Coffey, Thurs, who's based in Inglewood, has been incredibly prolific, collaborating with the likes of Dr. Dre and releasing a new track on most Thursdays with his Thurs on Thursday music series. I originally talked to Thurs back in January about being a guest on the podcast, but with coronavirus coming into play, it basically put things on hold for a little while. But I'm so glad that we had the chance to talk now as I feel the timing couldn't have been better. In addition to talking about Thurs's artistry and activism, we discussed the Black Lives Matter protests that have been taking place around the U.S. and throughout the world at the time of this recording in response to the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. We discuss how he talks to his young children about these difficult issues, how change is incremental, and the importance of musicians using their platform to speak out on important issues. What's more, we chat about how Thursdays fit and healthy through basketball, soccer, jogging, and other activities, and how he and his children have been vegan, plant-based eaters for many years. Now, to take us into the conversation, here's some of Thurza's brand new track, Looting, which addresses the recent protests, the looting that's been taking place, and the current climate around Black Lives Matter. Cured to coronavirus. Who knew the language that they understood is only violence? Who knew your homie ain't your homie if you stand silent? So I can bond with that fake chemistry, it's math for science, you know. Hey, look, body hit the flow, looking at the stove. Where the love go? <laughs> Don't nobody know. Everybody phones going live with the video. <laughs> body hit the flow, looking at the stove. Ain't no love, bro. That's the way you go. Everybody phones going live with yeah. video. The white homie asked, what could he do to make a change? So the answer to that question is not one simple thing. It's layers to the issue, all from the same source. Injustice and hate are the root that run the course. Short answer about equity and resources. The prison complex and reform of law enforcement. These brands profit off of our cool, but be quiet on issues. Increase profit margins, what they won't lose. See rubber bullets fly, legs and backs might catch a bruise. Okay, so I'm here with the amazing Thurs. Thurs, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Laura. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to connect. And when I saw you back in January, we talked about your being on the podcast and the world was a very different place back right. then. <laughs> Just it a it few surely months. was. Surely was, man. Like so much stuff has happened so fast in 2020. 
and the world is upside down. Yeah, it's just crazy. But I feel like it's fortuitous that we're talking now because there's so many like media issues and, and events of the day that I would love to to talk with you about. Um, just as an introduction, your first album uh, was called L.A. Riot, which was released back in 2011. And um Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, you know, I know it was inspired by the LA riots in the wake of the Rodney King beating. And I think you were just a kid when the riots happened back in 92. Yeah, I was like six years old when the riots took place. And um, yeah, my LA riot project is definitely inspired by that, the most historical LA event, you know, one of the most historical LA events. And um, yeah, I just took a lot of inspiration from everything that was happening, you know, especially at that time, you know, there were like some North African uprisings and, you know, I always noticed that, um, though there's always systemic oppression just from redlining and, you know, I know that there was, um, events that are still affected the current climate, you know, at that time and today. So, you know, I know a lot of people weren't making light of it during, 2011 2012 but you know I took inspiration from that and I felt like it was my you know my job at the time to you know do something that resonates on art level that is going to touch on and you know highlight issues that commercial hip-hop is not really touching on yeah yeah so I guess it really made an impact on you and you wanted to create art that that address that, which is so important. Yeah, you know, it's like more than political, it's like human rights that, that I felt like it was necessary to to speak on and make some music about, you know, it's not just political, it's about the well-being of people in the black community and, you know, humans in general. And a lot of the themes throughout the rights touch on, you know, what allow people to have a, a successful or a thriving, you know, human experience. You know, there's a lack of communication between, you know, ethnic groups and the LAPD and, you know, just a lot of lack of resources for black people to sustain, you know, independency or even have a sense of independency in their communities. So there's so much to like look back on and digest and dissect. So it's a lot of a lot of interesting, you know, factors. There sure are. And now we're in the midst of the Black Lives Matter protests in the wake of the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I know you're also creating art about that, but I wanted to ask you first, yeah. do you think that these movements that are happening now the protests around the world and the activism and conversations that they're creating, do you think it will finally create some meaningful change? I think that everything that's happening, however people are feeling the need to react is necessary. You know, a lot of response comes from violence. You know, a lot of awareness comes from violence. You know, um, there's like a huge disparity between wealth in the black community and like the middle class or whatever you want to call it and 
there are some people who are reacting um, that are opportunists that are not part of the black community, but like, you know, the people that are, you know, some are looting out of need, you know, by not having finances to go to the grocery store, just not having those resources to get groceries. So you might see some people that are looting because they have to. So, you know, a lot of that stuff is not highlighted in the media and, you know, people are taken to the streets and you are seeing, you know, a sense of solidarity between different people and a few different races that are trying to stand up for, you know, Black Lives Matter. But, you know, all the reaction to what's happening is a part of building awareness. So, you know, I would never say it's not necessary. And, you know, it does, there is an end goal or there is a start to an end goal. I don't even know if there's an actual end goal. It's just all a process and, you know, everything that's happening now is part of changing the current, uh, the current, uh, the, the current matters. Right. Yeah. I think you told me when we were chatting earlier that there are necessary actions to get the point across. Yeah. And in some ways it's reminiscent of the, the sixties civil rights movement. Right. Right. Yeah. Just like looking at a lot of images, the imagery seems reminiscent, you know, of a lot of the, the civil rights photos that we'd see, you know, on the internet or just kind of looking back at history. And it's crazy to be in 2020 and it almost looks identical. You know, you'd see, oh, you should see the heavy presence of police in urban neighborhoods. And, you know, it's nothing that's really changed. It's nothing that's really changed. You just have police abusing power and really just trying to oppress people of color and black people. So it's just a lot of the same issues, a lot of the same issues that are still current. Yeah, it's so true and so unbelievable that these things are still happening today. In your new single called Luton, mm -hmm. the lyrics are so powerful. I'm going to read kind of an abridged version sure. of the lyrics, if you don't mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you say, um, you know, the white homie asks what he can do to make a change. The answer to the question is not one simple thing. And then you go on to say equity and resources, the prison complex and reform of law enforcement. And you say, where did love go? No, don't nobody know. Yeah. And it just moved me so much. And, um, you know, it, so can you tell me a little bit about that song and, and the, the music that you're working on now? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Luton was definitely inspired by everything that was happening within these past two weeks from, you know, the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis and, um, the murder of Breonna Taylor and, yeah, I just wanted to reflect on everything that was current. You know, I touched on the administration and their leader, you know, in the White Office being a fascist. And I wanted to touch on that. And that second verse was like a conversation that I had with one of my peers and, yeah, one of my friends. And uh, we were just having a conversation about the silence of some white people um, during this time. And, you know, right now is not a time to be silent. And, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of help or a lot of just use of one's voice that can help bring awareness 
to you know people's family members that are not that are ignorant to the plight of the black community so you know if there's a you know a white person that has information it's their duty to pass on information to people who lack it so that was part of that conversation and really just peeling back the basic layers of oppression and you know those are law enforcement you know the prison industrial complex you know the lack of resources and those contribute to the disparity between you know success of people in the black community compared to other ethnic groups um i touched on the different towns that ethnic groups are able to uh, operate in having their own banks and their own markets and all these different things and in comparison to us you get like allendale and rosewood and you know Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you get our, our, our thriving cities that get burned down or get their irrigation system to their farmland, you know, tampered with and destroyed. And, you know, just uh, always these, these points of hate that come into play and destroy what Black communities were working for. You know, there are like 60 um, thriving cities black cities like you know throughout the 20s and beyond and you know a lot of them cease to exist due to white supremacy so you know the basicness and adverse I, I base I, I just touched on that on a basic level and you know it can, it can go deeper so i just wanted to shed light on that because these are some of the conversations or some of the points that people need to research and educate themselves on so, you know, as an artist, you know, it's my duty to reflect the times, like Nina Simone said. So that's that was my call to duty with that song and with the Dangerous record and, you know, just the loop pack. And it highlights what I've been doing throughout this year, just staying present with my music. And um, I used to always just hoard onto my music. And going into 2020, I was like, I have to be in the moment. I have to stay present. And, you know, if I'm going to be an artist, I have to just stay current and express myself and on a weekly basis, I've just been dropping records and, you know, for yeah, me to Thurs on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. Thursdays on Thursday series. Love it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's so important. I'm a big believer in the power of music to aid in creating social change. It has such a historic precedent, yet there are people who criticize that and think that artists should just create music or whatever their art form is and stay silent about those issues. Yeah, that, that, sounds, I, like, that sounds like Laura Ingram telling LeBron James to shut up and dribble. <laughs> like, oh. as we gotta, you know, as people with a platform, you know, it's our duty to inform. You know, it's your duty to talk on issues that are affecting people in your community. You know, music is supposed to be used for that. It's a full spectrum of what music could be used for. And that's part, that's that's one of the reasons that, you know, we have a voice is to speak out about things that are affecting us. So that's definitely the current climate and, you know, the political and social landscape of America is affecting, you know, our well-being. So, you know, it's my duty to, to touch on it, even if it's just brief and, like, you know, brief like that. And I definitely want to do more. I have works that I've done in the past that are, that touch in the same vein. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people reach out to me about the L.A. Riot Project. And, you know, it, it speaks to the 
speaks volumes of really having that that art form or that level of art that expands beyond just the basic lifestyle elements that people celebrate. So, yes, I interviewed Billy Bragg a while back, who's very much a social activist in his music. And he said that the job of a songwriter is to reflect the world as he or she sees it. And if you're going to get up on stage, you should have something to say about the world outside your window as well as inside your room. You really have to look out and reflect the times. I mean, you don't have to. It's, of course, a choice. And there's so much wonderful music that doesn't do that. But I just totally agree that if you have a platform... And, and there are things that you genuinely care about. It, it takes a, a certain amount of courage to speak up because some people worry that maybe they're not knowledgeable enough about a particular subject or maybe they'll be judged or lose some of their fan base. Mm-hmm. But I have so much respect for people who do do do, do that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so um, Thursday, you mentioned that... Um, for, I believe it was for the Loot Pack and some of your Thursday on Thursday series, you're donating 100% of your Bandcamp sales to the Think Watts Foundation, yeah. which is um, a, a Black-owned nonprofit started by your friend Sticks uh, that focuses on financial literacy and health in Watts and economic development in underprivileged communities. Um, can you, t- if that, do I have that right? That's correct. That's correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you wanted to get involved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the main thing or the main reason that I wanted to get involved with, uh, or at least donate to Think Watts is because, you know, that's Brandon Salam Bailey Sticks. That's one of my good friends. And uh, you know, I've been knowing him for years and to see him, um, do the groundwork to build this organization and really be in the streets. You know, I, I'm seeing it firsthand. You know, I'll go to events and offer my volunteer hands and I'm seeing it firsthand. So, you know, rather than just trust these different organizations that might not be black on and I don't know where the money goes or how it's distributed, dispersed to different causes, you know, I, I wanted to trust something that I saw with my hands and, you know, change happens on a local level. So me knowing my friend and supporting his cause, you know, I was like, yo, if there's something I could do that I can see direct change immediately, it's that, you know? So on a, it's real basic, you know, what I was doing. So I just wanted to just take those, take that revenue and donate it to an organization where I can see the work and our organization that I participated in and an organization that I want to expand on. So, you know, seeing um, sticks organized and be able to create uh, a gym center at this high school and watch, um, be able to create a food program that's delivering beyond meat to, you know, um, different families throughout watch and seeing him take different kids from the community to soccer games and just kind of do these constant activities, create these financial literacy programs in the form of classes on a weekly basis, you know, that's part of the change that I want to see that, you know, I want to see that be consistent. So if there's a dollar that could go anywhere and it's going to help, I'm going to send it there. So that's why I chose Think Watts Foundation. 
That's so that's so awesome. And Thurs, did you say that you were also involved in supporting the LA Urban League? Yeah, I was uh, trying to research um, the, the Black-owned organizations that provided social services to the Black community and the Los Angeles Urban League and uh, Peace for Kids are two organizations that I wanted to highlight and I wanted to do more research on and just tell people to you know check them out and donate if their heart was in that place. So I definitely want to you know help out those organizations that you know are ran by people of color and um you know I think it's our duty to you know help our community you know so I like what the those organizations are doing and I had a few friends that were part of the Los Angeles Urban League so you know I just wanted to just highlight them during this time and highlight the work that they've been doing in the city yeah that's so important and um, there's some really incredible organizations doing good work and it's always great to learn more you know sometimes it can be overwhelming because there are a lot but when you have when you've done some research or you've had personal experience it's with the organization it's it's so valuable and you yeah. can see firsthand yeah so um and through speaking of of kids you know you i know you have two kids who are six and 13 yeah what are what are you telling them about what's going on in the world right now with black lives matter and the protests and the police yeah we're, we're, we're constantly having conversations and you know, it's we we it's crazy because having kids that are black, you know, you have to inform them about dealing with the police. You know, you have to prepare them how to respond to police if you're not around and you know they're in a location. So it's like a lot of information that's constantly had in these conversations, a lot of awareness, you know, that's happening, a lot of just kind of breaking it down um, from an emotional emotional and non-emotional level. You just want to prepare your kids, you know, with the most tools and information to succeed every day and make it home. So we just have a lot of conversations about, you know, um, the possibility of police reform or what needs to happen. Um, you know, there's a big initiative to defund the police. So we talk about those items and how it could benefit to, you know, repurpose those funds that are being taken from the police and punt them back into communities because schools are, have been constantly defunded over the years. And it's just, you know, just talking about stuff like that and, you know, discussing the conversations she, my daughter's having with her friends, some of them might be, you know, from come from different ethnic backgrounds and might not fully understand the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, I just kind of give her points to highlight systemic oppression as to why people are responding when, you know, they haven't seen um, the positive results come from different methods. So just explaining that, you know, change comes with force, you know, or, you know, just actions that bring awareness for people to take notice. So we're just having those conversations and, you know, not trying to point the finger at any of the actions as negative from the black community. And, you know, just know, know, knowing that the nation has been silent and that police have constantly targeted 
people, members of the black community, male and female, and we haven't seen action taken. We haven't seen, you know, a police officer get life. We haven't seen a police officer get the death penalty. You know, we want to see, you know, actions taken against these people who abuse their power, who are supposed to protect and serve. And, you know, it just, we, we talk about white supremacy and, you know, it, it being a real thing. And, you know, it just translates, it permeates through so many, so many different institutions. So those are the conversations that we have in, you know, and just, just preparing them, but still that, you know, I know they're kids, so I don't want to like just inundate them with negativity, but <laughs> we, right. you know, outside of soccer practice and, you know, doing our, our homework and just reading different books, we just try to have those conversations just to, just to be aware. Yeah, that's so important. It sounds like you're handling it really well and it can't be easy. I mean, you know, so kids are kids are so savvy and aware of things that I think sometimes we're not even aware that they're aware of. Yeah. So yeah, to be upfront, but of course not inundate them with negativity. It feels like balancing act. Right, right. Right. But Yeah, um, well, I've been vegan for a minute, so we kind of just been, it was crazy when COVID hit, the, the grocery store lines were so crazy. <laughs> like we were standing in line at Costco for like over an hour to get inside, and you know, you had the toilet paper crisis and, yeah. and all that craziness. So um, just kind of like stocking up and getting the grocery store weekly for our produce, but uh, I'm just going to stay healthy just by, you know, making smoothies and fruit bowls at the house and, you know, just making sure uh, I'm working out, doing like different workouts throughout the week. And I usually used to play basketball a few times out the week, so COVID reduced the amount of time greatly that I was able to be on the court. Um, but that was one of my main sources of staying, you know, fit and keeping my lung capacity up was was hoop. But uh before now that I can't hope right now, I'm just um doing these little workouts on Zoom and um, you know, running or jogging a few times throughout the week, you know, three miles. So it, it helps me clear my mind and, you know, work on my body a little bit. Oh yeah, that's so important because you know, we're not going out as much and Yeah. Yeah, it's, you want to do things um, to kind of just not only in, in your body stay fit, but I think it helps your mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you said you're vegan. Have you been vegan for a while? Yeah, about four years. Going on five years. Oh, that's awesome. I am I am too. Almost, almost 100% plant-based. Um, awesome. Yeah, is that are your kids as well? And how is that? How's that made you feel? Yeah, they're vegan too. Um, you know, I think it's really important, man. Just to, you know, I think the the body, the body and the mind, you know, have to you have to take care of it, man. And you know, it really starts with your diet, what you're intaking, um, what you're digesting into your body on so many levels. You know, it just kind of helps you strengthen 
mentality and spirituality, physicality. So I, I wanted them to install those um, those habits at an earlier age and, you know, just kind of get them on track through their youth going into their adult life on what it takes to maintain, you know, level of functionality in their body just to be able to function at higher levels with everything that I, everything around, you know, their lifestyle and livelihood. So I, I, I think it's a really good thing for them and we've just been trying to maintain that over the years. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So admirable. And um, yeah, and there's so I, I know we've covered a lot of ground. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think we touched on I know we touched on the, the weekly series. Uh, definitely want to be dropping some projects. Um, maybe maybe this year, you know, I just have a lot of music. So I definitely want to drop a lot of uh a lot of different projects with different, you know, as, as collaborations with different producers and um, different artists. And um, definitely want to use my party in my living room platform just to highlight everybody I think is, is dope, you know, that I'm associated with. So, Oh, can you talk a little bit about the party in my living room? Yeah. Yeah. So um, party in my living room is a house party series that I've been throwing since 2015. Um, it's a non-traditional um, approach to an event um, outside of, you know, outside of the venue. Um, I thought it was necessary to program in the neighborhoods that, you know, a lot of my community lives in. So in 2015, I did my first party in my living room in Inglewood, you know, off the second half and 108th Street at my boy Jay Pound's house. And, you know, we, we did this after I released this project called Designer EP. And I didn't want to be in Hollywood. You know, I didn't want to be in a location where we didn't reside. So I did this project and, um, you know, I always wanted to throw a house party. I was throwing events throughout the city for years, you know, from college. So I always wanted to throw a house party. And, you know, the house party is just a core part of me growing up in LA, you know, going to Ladera, being in Ladera or Baldwin Hills or, you know, in Inglewood. And, you know, sometimes you would hear a song for the first time or you would just have a lot of sentimental value built into uh, a record, you know, from experiencing at this house party. So I wanted to provide that experience for people and to uh, be in a space, you know, in the neighborhood where, you know, people of color could come and, you know, it's open to everybody, but I want to make a space for people of color to come and enjoy music, celebrate local heroes, and, uh, you know, just have some some good vibes in the city. So uh, add a production value to what you would normally experience in a house party. Um, I set up a stage in the living room with my sound engineer, and um, I put my band literally inside of a living room and perform, you know, my designer EP, and had a lot of guests come out, like Tiffany Goucher. I had Sir from TDE come out, you know, Brothers with D Smoke, Iman Omari, um, Exile from Blue and Exile. Um, a lot of people just came out to support, man. So it's a beautiful thing. And I was able to do it quarterly in 2015. Then we expanded, took it, you know, around the country, Chicago, you know, Miami, Atlanta. 
and uh, it's been growing ever since. And, you know, I'm on hiatus right now, but I'm going to bring it back because L.A. hasn't experienced it for a minute. So I've just been uh, using the digital um, presence to release music and, you know, have it serve as like a, a record label. So we're going to bring that uh, that physical party back hopefully this year because I know that people need it. And I know it serves a really great purpose of activating oh. in the community. Yeah, there's, oh man, I can't wait for you to be able to bring it back and for us to be able to gather in person safely, hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sure do need that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we definitely. Really do. And of course, that's, you know, that's how we met, not not through Party in My Living Room, but through um, Red Bull Music Events yep, yep. and, you know, working on those together. And I just have to say to you that whenever I see you, you're such an amazing spirit and, and you have so much light and positive energy. And it would always, always makes me so happy to see you. But I remember those events specifically where it's kind of stressful. Sometimes there's a lot going on and just like seeing your smiling face, just calm me down. It was always so great. (laughs) Oh man, that was a good experience to work with you with Red Bull, Sarah Select. You know, I learned so much you know, on the production side of things over there. So everything I was learning, I was just trying to apply to what I wanted to do. So, you know, it was definitely a good experience and learning experience for me for sure. And I'm glad we were able to meet through that process. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> and there's, so where can people find uh, find you and find your music? Yeah, so um, you can find me on Instagram. It's just King Thurs, K-I-N-G-T-H-U-R-Z. And on Twitter, just Thursday, T-H-U-R-Z-B-A-Y. And um, you can search my playlist. You know, I'm dropping everything weekly and compiling, updating my playlist weekly across all the DSPs. So you can search more Thurs on Thursday. And it's a playlist series on Tidal, on Spotify, on Apple Music, uh, on, um, what's the the other one called? Uh, SoundCloud. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can just search Thurs and um, more Thurs on Thursday just to catch yourself up with all the songs that I have released this year. Yeah, awesome. You're so prolific. So there's a lot, a lot to, to discover if you haven't already. <laughs> so Thank you. Uh, Thurs, well, thank you so much. It was great talking with you. And um, hopefully we'll, we will hang out again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Laura. Well, that concludes my conversation with Thurs. I felt so fortunate to be able to sit down with him and get his perspective on world events right now, the Black Lives Matter movement, and all the other things that we discussed, including music as activism and his wellness practices. Thank you so much for tuning in. In Harmony was produced by me, Laura Ferrero, A special thank you to James Bremen for the original theme music and to Sophie Walker for her help with show notes and social media. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends about us and you can find us on most podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple, where it would be wonderful if you rated us by just scrolling down and clicking on the stars or leaving a comment. You can follow along with us on Instagram and Facebook at In Harmony Podcast and on Twitter at In Harmony Pod. 
Thanks again for tuning in and we will catch you next time.